from the net. Blogs, websites, podcasts, to this place, the The Mainframe Chronicle. Our format, podcasters, to analyze and discuss, to discuss the shows we love. Their strengths and flaws. We discuss them until our jobs ache. Software pirates. This is bad. This is very bad. Megabyte hit a delete command in the mask, just like you said. Only you didn't know because I should have copied and pasted the truth from the start. Remember that anything worthwhile takes time. What we have here is a failure to network. Well, get to work, you two. I don't keep you around for your brains, now do I? No, sir, not a brains. Absolutely not. The monkeys are restless, and my dog has fleas. Over. This is going to take millions and millions of nanoseconds. This might even take one whole second. Dot, can you read me? Dot? They say the listener lives outside the net. And listens to podcast. No one knows for sure. But we, we intend to, to find out. out. Mainframe Chronicle. Hello, and welcome back to Mainframe Chronicle Podcast. As always, I'm Daniel Janes. And I am Joey Morris. And today we are finishing up season two of the 90s cartoon reboot. But first, how are you doing, Joey? I am doing fantastic. Um, you know, my job's going well. I, I had that last time. I, I know I said that. We just had our evaluations, and um, I'm happy to say I passed with flying colors, so that was pretty cool. And um, I'm pretty good. Now, Dan, I know you have a couple new jobs. How are you doing? Pretty good. Uh, working at a UPS store, which isn't, you know, ideal, but it, it pays money, and it's it's a good environment. And I just got a job at Home Depot as a cashier going oh, in nice. later today to fill out the paperwork and stuff so even more money to go to student so, loans now doesn't ups give benefits to their part-time employees uh they do but i'm not with ups i'm it's a ups store it's a locally owned business that oh. just ships stuff out of flagstaff that's really good deal um for a part-time job but that's awesome yeah it it pays it pays the bills so you know and you do um don't you do sound on the side as well now um well i'm in the pool for a guy who does production up here and i have yet to be called but if he needs an extra hand or two then he'll give people a call as he needs them that's cool so yeah it's it's good stuff once you get called, I think you'll probably get called back again. 
Yeah, just got to, you know, actually do stuff for them. Before we get into the episodes, we, we actually got some feedback today. I uh, I know it might be kind of unprofessional, but I am ecstatic about this because, you know, I, I'm happy to do it just to rewatch, reboot, and have a reason to do it. But now we know someone actually has listened to it and, you know, you know spoiler alert, enjoys it. So I'm yeah. uh, pretty excited. <laughs> spoiler alert on the feedback. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, a man, young man named Carson M., sent us an email at mainframechronicle at gmail.com. Of course, and you can always send emails to the exact same email. Yes. A little plug there. You, you definitely should. Uh, so we can read it on the air like we are doing right about now. Carson M. said, I just left a five-star iTunes review. Great podcast. I've been enjoying your podcast the past two weeks. I've actually caught up on Reboot and your podcast to the newest episode. I wish you guys could watch them quicker, but it's understandable with your job slash personal lives. I also recommend posting the podcast on reddit.com slash r slash reboot to get more attention. Only criticism is I wish you guys could put more research into each show so listeners can get the most out of the show without having to read other websites. But I know you guys aren't perfect. Yeah, and then Carson continued to say that uh, he forgot to mention how he got into the show, which I think is pretty fascinating. I think, you know, to get into this show, I think there's a lot of different ways people have done that. So uh, he said, like most people, he was in elementary school when watching uh, the show the first time. Uh, he says that I think that I was into Reboot because it was a blend of video games and cartoons, two things that I loved. Now, rewatching this as an adult, I can more clearly understand the humor, the arcs, and the references. I remember it was the time before I had access to the internet, so I had no idea when or if the show would return after breaks. I was happy to see that they made a four seasons eventually, within large gaps of time, of course. Yeah, and I replied explaining that, you know, we try to do enough research to make us sound knowledgeable. And then he replied back, about doing research, I think it's just me being picky over everyday little details slash references within the show of Reboot which might be kind of insane to pay too much attention. I think it really just bothered me on the art episode because you guys missed some references to the art. Bothered me most mainly because I'm an art major. I understand there aren't enough hours in the day to research every little thing in the show. I guess the story arcs and characters are more important. I hope to I hope you get some new podcast episodes out soon and good luck with Skype. So yeah, thanks Carson that for all that great feedback. Uh, a couple of yeah. notes. Yeah, we try to do a lot of research as much as we can. Uh, the the art one, there was just so many, and that if we had gone over every one, that episode probably would have been like three hours because there were I that many. Yeah, no, and there was so many, and plus I would just be saying, um, you know, as as not an art buff or someone who generally knows these things, I could pick out some of the main ones, but you know, and I could find lists of the ones uh, that I didn't recognize, but I I wouldn't know anything about them. I wouldn't have any anecdotes about them or anything, so it would be kind of dry. Um, so I think you know we just stuck to the ones that we knew, but you know that's that's very good criticism. Yeah. Um, so th- this I just thought of Carson. If you wanted to go over all the extra art things that we missed, all the references, you can give us a call at nine oh nine two seven seven six nine 
07. So yeah, if if you wanted to leave us a voicemail there, you could do so and we'll uh, edit it into the next show. And that'd be awesome because I'm sure you would have more information on those stuff than anything that I could research on, you know, quickly on the internet. So that would be incredible. I'd be all over that. Exactly. My background's in theater, so I know a little bit about art doing the research for sets and stuff. But, you know, I'm not going to be as knowledgeable as an art major per se. Oh, sure. Sure. And I'm a poli-sci major, so that means I'm qualified to do absolutely nothing except maybe do a podcast on reboot. But Exactly. That's to be debated. (laughs) So just a couple other notes on Carson's feedback. He said he left a five-star review on iTunes. Not to call him a liar, but iTunes has been treating me like crap recently. I just realized that pretty much all the stuff I put on iTunes is no longer working. So, um, hopefully that'll be fixed soon. And otherwise, you're listening to this on the website, probably. So, that'll be fun. We'll Uh, figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, technical difficulties, as always. Another final thing thanks for the tip on posting on reddit i did that with all my other podcasts and got some extra boost in uh, the page views so good good call on that one i don't even use reddit i'm not even sure what that is it's just another website that links you to a bunch of other stuff no well <laughs> they, they call it Sounds the like front Google page of the internet oh okay yeah but it's essentially Google, but more categorized, if that makes okay. sense. And it's generally centered around entertainment, isn't it? It's got everything. Oh, does it? Okay. Seem, seems to be entertainment, but yeah. It's kind of a mix between a, a search engine and a social network. That's fair. I'll have to look into it. It sounds pretty cool. Kevin Smith talks about it a lot. I just have never paid attention. Yeah. Sweet. So, Joey, why don't you take us into episode 2.07? So what is all this for? We're testing a theory, Andrea. We think that a game retains the basic encryption of all active players when the user wins. It's called a saved game. So if a null is trapped in the game that created it, there's a chance, a slim chance, that the sprite will be recompiled. And of course, if we then win the game, the sprite would remain whole and in mainframe. What he means is, the game that nullified the sprite can also bring it back. That's what I said. He said it better. Thanks, Andrea. All right, man. Um, this episode is entitled Nullzilla, and I think if you've seen the episode, it's pretty clearly why. Uh, the original air date was December 27th, 1995. Just a little note there. I was five years old. How crazy is this that we're talking mm-hmm. about this so much later? Anyway. I would, uh, had just turned six a little yeah. over a month before that. Weird. Yeah, I, it, it's just insane. I still can't get over that sometimes. Um, but anyway, the summary is something horrible comes through Hex's looking glass, mutating her into a black super virus. The nulls launch an offensive on her, creating a gigantic null monster. So, Dan, what do you think of this episode? It, it was all right. It was uh, written by, and the story was by Susan Turner, who was a story designer and script supervisor for the show. Oh. Uh, yeah, she she wrote Andrea too, a um, bunch of other stuff as well. I I wasn't 
completely overly impressed by it. It worked for me on the level that it was a setup for the next episode. But yes. other than that, there wasn't a ton that was great about it. No, I I agree. I think the the story was really um I don't kind of not forced, but just kind of it seemed to play on a lot of cliches. And it kind of it was heavy on like some of the references, like if you really enjoyed the reference to the Power Rangers and you probably really enjoyed mm-hmm. the episode. Uh, but I, I think the story itself, when you're looking at it, just wasn't very developed, especially when you think about some of the heavy hitters we've had in season two and, you know, coming up specifically at the end. So um, when you're watching them, I mean, maybe by itself, but when you watch it in conjunction with the other episodes, I I wasn't a huge fan. Yeah, I I did like the clip of Frankenome, the Bride of Frankenome that <laughs> uh, Hex was watching on Mike the TV at the beginning. Yeah, that was really cool. I thought that was great. <laughs> and one of the best quotes from the episode comes from that it, when uh, the Frankenome monster starts <laughs> to be alive. The Frankenome is like, it's compiled. It's compiled. Which you, of course, have never, you don't have to have seen that movie to know that, you know, it's a reference to it's alive, it's alive. I mean, that's been parodied so many times, and it's it's awesome. I love it. Exactly. Good stuff there. I kind of like the whole back and forth between Hex and, and Mike the TV. I know it was really small and not integral to the uh, storyline or anything, but they just, I mean, because he's kind of prone to hero worship, and she's kind of prone to being... Um, worshipped so i thought it worked pretty well like he called her the highness and she called him michael it was, it was just weird i you know we hadn't seen that before i don't think yeah i really like when shows do that take two characters that are never really seen together and then give them a scene yeah and you get to see their interaction it's one of those things where like it you would never really think of seeing hex and mike together but the way that they did it was really well done and Mike the TV has been becoming a pretty consistent character. So um, it, it's cool that they put him with, you know, one of the biggest villains of the entire series and just just a casual conversation. Yeah. But um, right after that, you know, we got to start talking to Hack and Slash. Did you notice they had new voices? I did. Uh, uh, at least Hack. I was like, wow, that, that sounds like Rat Trap from Beast Wars. And interestingly enough, he he's the guy who plays Optimus Primal in Beast Wars, Gary Chalk. Which, oh, really? Um, yeah, during my research for this episode, I came across a couple of uh, Comic-Con-type panels, and one of them had him in it, and he's just hilarious. He, he's He's a fantastic guy. I'm uh, going to put links to those in the show notes at mainframechronicle.blogspot.com. So check I'll have those to watch out. that. I like con- good content generators. I mean, that's why I'm a Kevin Smith fan. Like, we don't really have to talk about anything. Just enjoy hearing them talk. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I I didn't care for the new hack and slash at all. Um, you know, they, they had that way that they would talk over each other and they would spend five minutes saying something that could be done in half a minute, you know, and it was kind of their niche. And now they're talking in almost complete sentences and they're not really talking over each other. I, I don't know. Maybe it'll grow on me, but when it first happened, I was very disappointed in it. Fair enough. 
So I wasn't sure what you thought about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, they definitely have a bigger role in this episode than we've ever seen before. I don't know if they continue to after these episodes, but I don't know. that They're there for comic relief in almost entirely. So Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. But um we get a couple of good continuity bits oh, of information this episode. Fantastic uh, bits of information. Yeah, specifically that the Knolls used to be sprites and that's what happens to them when they're in a game and the they lose, they get nullified and become the little wormy things. Now, this isn't the this is the first time we've heard about that, right? Cuz I didn't I don't remember hearing that before. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's sp- explicitly said before. Uh it's kind of hinted at especially with the words nullified and null being the the same word. But it's it's not something that you'd necessarily pick up on cuz I don't think they're ever used in the same sentence or maybe even the same episode prior to this. So I find it interesting that they used to be sprites or binomes and then they become nulls and then hexadecimal has some mysterious power over them. That's just interesting. I, I, and I think we might, I don't know, I think we might be able to uh, figure that out as this time goes on. I, if I, maybe I don't remember that, but. Yeah, there's some nuggets in this episode that will definitely get explained later. Like when Megabyte calls the null nibbles his father. Oh, yeah. That's creepy. I'm yeah. not going to lie. <laughs> uh, especially since we've seen Megabyte petting uh, Nibbles a couple times. It just the whole thought process was weird. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one one really big thing that we've never really touched on is the use of the word sprite to explain the uh, humanoid creatures or characters. And... and that's actually a term that they use for uh like the images of characters during video games they're called the the game sprites so if you're playing like Sonic the Hedgehog the Sonic that you see on the screen is the Sonic game sprite and that's a real world term that's yeah that's a real world term oh i didn't know that yeah uh it 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 makes sense. It's just, I don't know why we haven't touched on it before. I don't think I'd really, you know, acknowledge that, that it was true before, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. Uh, what did you think of uh, hexadecimal after the creature took it over? I thought she looked creepy. Even and more creepy. Yeah. Even more creepy. Uh, she she looked like Venom from the Spider-Man yeah. series and comics, which I think Venom is always an interesting concept because it's it's Venom as himself, and then he you know consumes Spider-Man. It's the same with Hexadecimal, and the problem, of course, is Hexadecimal is arguably a little more powerful than Spider-Man. So I mean, it it's dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it, thank goodness for the nulls. Yeah, trying to trap him and the uh, disruptomatic, which oh. was in a case that said, "In case of giant null monster, break glass." I actually had to pause while I was watching this and 
because I was laughing so hard because I thought that was fantastic because it just came off of a line, which is one of my favorite lines of uh, when Fong is like, you know, I prepared for this. And Bob's like, how do you how did you plan for that? And Fong was like, well, a lucky guess, you know, <laughs> and then we go down and we see this disruptomatic, you know, break glass. And I'm like, oh, God, this that's fantastic. Um, what did you think of the the Power Rangers cliche here? I I kind of enjoyed it. They didn't do it too much. Like they they hinted at it, but they didn't kind of sledgehammer us with it, which I thought was a good choice. I did like that the um grasshopper line where Enzo pops up cuz he's the grasshopper animal is, is his animal <laughs> and Fong's like, "Oh, there you are, grasshopper." Uh Yeah, that, that was, was pretty great. good. Which, uh, that line comes from, what line was it? A television series called Kung Fu. But Very creative it, name. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what it's about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's a, a term that's parodied way too much, but I think it was done really well here. Yeah, I didn't even know that it had an origin it's a word that's parodied so much you know what i mean like um it just talks so often um actually i put like i put a little note is that from the karate kid like i didn't think it was but it just had such a feeling of that kind of kung fu type atmosphere so i thought maybe it was but of course it wasn't yeah yeah and then mike the tv of course is a net and he's like Gannett? What is a Gannett? <laughs> and Dot's like, I don't know, but it seems fitting. <laughs> Which was perfect. I mean, that, that was really good. Um, I enjoyed the fact that Mike the TV was part of this powerful robot yeah. fighting off the Nullzilla, uh, I should say. Um, I'm going to have to disagree with you a little bit on the not being a sledgehammer reference to the Power Rangers, because not only did they have separate... Um, themed vehicles that came together to make a giant robot that had, you know, disruptomatic or the the or the sword. But they also did the reboot like well the the Power Rangers slash reboot moment when they all formed into their vehicles. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was really good though, actually, because Frisket, when they got to Frisket, <laughs> yeah. instead of saying like reboot two or whatever they you know, what everyone else was saying, he just goes woof woof woof. Like, <laughs> like he had to say that or something. I just it was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh just the note that Bob was a black beetle, Dot was a lady beetle, a ladybug, and Frisket was a bumblebee. I'm not sure if that one's fitting, but okay. <laughs> well, I mean, after you assign Mike the annoying gnat and Enzo the grasshopper, um, there's really <laughs> some movement there. You can do whatever you need to. Yeah. Um, when when the – did they call it something, the giant robot? Did they say – they give it a name? I can't remember. I don't know. I don't know. When they were fighting uh, Nullzilla before they got the Disruptomatic – um, it was. Uh, it just really reminded me of all the cartoons when you're trying to fight Clayface, you know, because you can punch him and he'll absorb it, and you can yeah. knock him down and he'll f- come back like a weeble wobble. So, you know, that just kind of reminded me of that. I did like how whenever whoever was talking from the robot, they changed how he moved. Did you notice that? 
I did not. But that's yeah, like when, really neat. Yeah, like when Dot was talking, all of a sudden his hand was on his hip, you know, and he had that kind of attitude <laughs> about him and stuff. So I thought that that was a really nice touch by the by the animators, I think. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and watch that again. So, what do you think about the fact that Enzo has not yet told Andrea that he's not a guardian? I don't think it has much to do with this episode. Like, uh, I don't think there's really any stake in it at this point. But as we see later on in this podcast, it will come back to bite him almost. Yeah, that's true. We should probably postpone that that uh, discussion. Um, the only other... Um, Bob did say stay frosty. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I got pretty excited about that. Um, at one point he said, you know, what in the nets, you know, which is just another kind of reboot phrase that I enjoyed. Uh, but I didn't have any other quotes uh, or references unless you did. I had a couple. At one point Bob's like trying to explain something really complex. And then Enzo's just like, what he means is the game that notified the sprite can also bring it back. And Bob's like, that's what I said. And Andrea's just simply, he said it better. <laughs> yeah, that was good. I forgot about that. Uh, well, now that she's kind of a main cast character, you know, it's good that they have that back and forth. Yeah, again. exactly. I actually forgot about there was a small throwaway line where Slash says, I don't like L.A. Yeah, that's a reference to Randy Newman's song. I love L.A., which is not overtly awesome, but it just reminded me of Randy Newman's song. uh, I don't like short people. (laughs) And that made me happy. Have you seen that? No. Yeah. He has a whole song about how short people shouldn't be allowed to live and they get they're annoying and creepy, basically. And that's the whole song. You should look at <laughs> Another random reference. Uh, Fong's password is F-A-B. And that's from a show called Thundercats Are Go. I've never seen that. Have you? Mm, or Thunderbirds Are Go. I'm sorry. Um, that That's... No, I don't think I've ever seen that movie. I don't think so either. But there was a show that was like an old show that I used to watch it was Thunder something maybe it was Thundercats I don't know I think but it was a seem... Thunderbirds show okay I I, I, it was a long time ago um did you catch the Alice in Wonderland reference yeah well I mean it's pretty obvious there's a there's the the creature that infects uh Hex comes out of her looking glass Exactly, and uh, I think Mike even said there's something that comes out of Looking Glass, and it wasn't Alice. Like yeah. I mean that, <laughs> you know, I thought that was pretty good too. What's wrong? Do you not hear it? Hear what? What are you talking about? Look, Dot. Frisk can hear it too. Glitch scanner. These readings don't make any sense. Wait, the signal's getting stronger. They're going crazy. They're trying to get out. Fong? Very strange. The signal is being emitted from lost angles. Megabyte. 
Hexadecimal, Bob. What? Right, hexadecimal. Did I say megabyte? So, Dan, what did you think of episode seven, uh, Melzilla? It, like I said, it, it wasn't great on any front, but there were some pretty decent references, some pretty fun moments. I'd have to give it five Disruptomatics. Yeah, um, I, I was going back and forth on how low I was going to give this. Um, it's really hard to give a really low score to almost any episode of yeah. Reboot, because even if it's a bad episode, quote-unquote bad episode, it always has some... Re- good references um i'm gonna give it four uh horrible cliche power reference power ranger references <laughs> so that's what i'm gonna do dan do you want to take us away for episode eight gigabyte absolutely i am guardian four five two state your name and function Become Gigabyte, destroyer of systems. Now this system, Bob. Glitch! Wide field energy beam! Episode 2.08 is titled Gigabyte. It originally aired December 27th, 1995. The same day as the previous episode. Must have done a little mini marathon type thing. I guess so, yeah. Uh, story and it was written by Phil Mitchell and Susan Turner the summary is the entity that escaped Hex's looking glass attacks Megabyte turning him into a rabid virus that merges with Hexadecimal to create Gigabyte the next generation of virus Hacker Mouse arrives as reinforcement and bumps heads with Dot so Joey what do you think of Gigabyte um, I thought this was better than Nullzilla, which is weird because when I stack up Megabyte and Hexadecimal, I'm a huge Hexadecimal fan. Um, but in this aspect, I liked Gigabyte more than Nullzilla for a couple different reasons. But it was really good. What about you, Dan? I agree that it was better. And I think why it was better is that uh, instead of a giant blob monster, we actually get a, a creature that's interesting yeah like an actual character yeah let's start with the, just the title as gigabyte i, I th- had a thought process afterwards how interesting that title is because i would sure that outside of the you know really tech savvy people in the 90s no one had an I- any idea what a gigabyte was mm-hmm. you know so that is just a really like niche title and then you know now we're looking back at it we're all talking how many gigabytes is your phone you know all that kind of stuff but it's then no one would have any idea what it was yeah and for anybody who doesn't know what a gigabyte is it's a a sizable it's a unit of measurement for computer data that's one step above a megabyte well, it's a thousand steps above a megabyte. Well, it's a thousand <laughs> megabytes, but you know, it's it's one yeah. step. I don't know, one commonly yeah. used term step above. Yeah, megabyte. I hear you. I hear you. But yeah, I just thought that was cool. Yeah, uh, the I think the strongest part about the previous episode, Nolzilla, is that it's set up for this episode, and that I agree. at the very end, the 
venom thing that infected Hex, now infected Megabyte. And then we begin this episode. Yeah. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, we, as, as we get into it, the Gigabyte itself, the character, let's just talk about him. Um, what do you think? I think the design was really awesome. It's It's got, you know, a perfect mixture of Megabyte and Hexadecimal's characteristics. Mm-hmm. And so it looked like, you know, it, it was a mix of them. I mean, it was fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to you know, take a little uh, detour, as I generally do. Um, it reminded me of an episode of Star Trek Voyager called Tuvix, where it took a guy named Tuvok, who was a Vulcan, and a um, another guy named Neelix, and they had like a transporter accident, and it combined them to create a whole different entity. And... Um, you know, because that's what happened here. Hexadecimal and, and Megabyte came together. And it was interesting because most people agreed that that one character of Tuvix was actually better than the than the two separate characters. And I think that's kind of similar here, too, where Gigabyte, you know, Megabyte and Hexadecimal are both formidable characters. But when you put them together, you have this incredible, uh, I think they even classified it as a class five uh, virus, Gigabyte. That's a little bit more effective maybe yeah i i really enjoyed him in this episode however if they had kept him around i don't think he would have lasted very long as being a good character yeah well he's not he's not cunning you know he's just extremely powerful yeah so um, I did notice, and maybe this is just me, but I noticed that Fong says my son a lot, and I just feel like he's really, and I, I, that might just be that they're trying to add to him as a character, but it could just be, too, that Fong is really starting to care for Bob more so than just that he's a guardian, um, which is sad, obviously, coming up, yeah. but um, <laughs> I, I just think that you know maybe I'm looking a little too much into it, but I think Fong is finally starting to care for him as a person too yeah now this episode is the first time we get bob's formal designation as guardian 452 yeah that was pretty cool which yeah uh, it doesn't really have any stakes anywhere but it's cool uh, I just wanted to go after the fact that, you know, you've got this brother virus and the sister virus, and when combined, they create a single string, uh, a new string of virus. And to me, that sounds like they um, are coupling almost, and it just was kind of weird, I think. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I don't know. It, it's kind of weird, but not really. Uh, if you think overthink it, it's definitely a lot weirder. But I think this is the first episode that we mentioned that they are actually siblings. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's Previously, kind of important to notice. We learned that they were related, but now we know they're siblings, so that's cool. Yeah, that is cool. I like that because I mean we talked about it before. They're polar opposites, you know, chaos and control, and it's just perfect that they're brother and sister. Um, what did you think of the little moment that Dot and Bob have? I'm not sure which moment you're talking about. That was after Gigabyte had like cornered them and um, 
Bob gave away uh, Glitch so that he can't consume the power or anything like that. Dot, or he, Bob looks at Dot and goes, Dot, I, I want to tell you, like, you know, you know, it's going to give this, you know, I love you kind of phrase. And Dot's like, I know. And then uh, that's when Mouse enters. So Yeah, Mouse. I love Mouse. <laughs> yeah, that is a great Mouse moment too. for them and perfectly interrupted by Mouse. Exactly. And it's perfect that it is Mouse, specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we know that the, uh, Mouse and Bob have had some sort of history, but we really don't know anything about it. Yeah, which so. is a, it's all mystery. I don't know if we actually ever get to find out exactly what happens. But I think we learned some stuff, but not quite everything. Okay. Uh, one thing I noticed about Mouse is she has tattoos around her eyes and on her shoulder. Are those tattoos? I wasn't sure. I'm assuming they're tattoos. I don't know. There's some sort of design there, which I had never noticed before. That's only the second time we've seen her, so. Yeah. Uh, probably because of the upgrade in graphics during this season is my yeah, guess. Yeah, that's definitely possible. So it was just an interesting moment where I looked at it. I was like, huh, was the, were those there before? So now I, I really want to go back and take a look at the previous one and see if she has them there. I think it was cool. Like uh, Maybe we can get into some of the tactics and how they decided to beat Gigabyte because he was far more powerful than anything they had. So there's no way that they could just you know, have a standoff fight. Yeah, oh, and he consumed all energy, so it's not like you could even use a lot of CPUs to attack him or anything right. like that, because he would just consume the energy. So they had to be pretty creative. Yeah, I really liked their tactics. Uh, at one point, he uh, absorbs a binome dresses Indiana Jones, which I thought was funny. Yeah, I actually thought that was a megabyte agent, and then uh, I read that it was Indiana Jones, and I had to go back, and I was like, oh, well, I'm an idiot, but... <laughs> But yeah, they they power down the whole city so that he can't absorb everything. They they secure a tear, which is really cool. Where uh, Dot and Mouse fly out to the ocean or whatever you want to call it, and uh, Mouse uses a PlayStation controller. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and they they kind of trap the tear and bring that energy back to hit Gigabyte with. Uh, they use hack and slash to help distract him. I thought that was pretty awesome. And the biggest, the coolest tactic that they used was they ejected a sector from mainframe. The uh, yeah, floating I didn't even points know you could park. Do that. Right? <laughs> now, do you think it's just floating points park that can be ejected? Or no, can you eject I mean, all the parts? The fact that they can do that tells me that they can do that with all of them. Because why would it just be one? Yeah, no, I thought that was really cool. I and really this whole episode, well, towards the end of it, you had just unlikely pairs or, or combinations. You know, you had Dot and Mouse working together, and obviously they have uh, disagreements. Uh, and a lot of it is centered around uh, Bob, their relationship to Bob. And then you had Bob working with Hack and Slash. You mm-hmm. know, so I just thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, a lot of fun in this episode. Uh, when Gigabyte first appears, he's similar. His uh, stance is similar to the T eight hundred in the Terminator movie. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, great, 
little uh, homage there. Uh, not too overbearing, but pretty pretty sweet. Yeah, I like that. I like the Terminator movies. I just watched them recently, actually. They were on on TV, on Spike, I think. But, nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I'm going to ask you now, because at the end, after they get the tear, you know, Bob is able to separate them back into hexadecimal and uh, uh, megabyte. So effectively, Bob, who's charged with saving all citizens as much as possible and goes out of his way to save Megabyte in, in the past, you know, when he didn't have to, killed an entity, Gigabyte. Essentially. I mean, philosophically, yeah, you can argue that, but, I mean, it, it, it's still a kid's show. He didn't really destroy an entity so much as create three others. Well, I mean, I get well, yeah, three others. That's kind of important. Um, but I don't know. I just thought it was interesting because he seems so hell-bent on trying to protect everyone. It just he didn't even blink uh, when taking that out. But that, that came from the episode two Vix from Star Trek, so I was probably being <laughs> a little more deep than that. But just want to let you know. Yeah, it, it's a good thought to bring up. I don't think it applies as well here as it would in the Star Trek episode. (laughs) (laughs) I know it didn't, but I was just curious to see what you were going to say. But um, at the end, uh, they did make a Shakespeare reference, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, They said there's there's something rotten in the heart of mainframe, which is, you know, obviously uh, a quote from from Hamlet at the end. You know, something's rotten um, in Denmark, I believe it was. Yep, good good catch there. Uh, didn't even notice that one. As a theater major, my professors would probably be really disappointed in me, but I also don't like Hamlet. So I liked Hamlet. That I I hated um, uh, the one where everybody dies at the end. What was that? All of his tragedies. Well, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Macbeth, Macbeth. I didn't care for Macbeth, but I I liked Hamlet. I thought it was good. Alrighty. Uh, one quote, Gigabyte says, I am become Gigabyte, the destroyer of systems, which uh, is apparently from Vishnu's line from Hindu Bhagavad Gita, which is, is I guess, a, a book. book or st- I, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a book for the Hindu religion. But okay. the quote is made more famous uh by Robert Oppenheimer after he's the one of the people who created the atomic bomb so after yeah, he was the, the lead physicist yeah after the first bomb exploded he said i have become death i am become death destroyer of worlds that makes more sense cuz it seemed very i didn't think about Robert Oppenheimer but I knew that was a reference to something, and when I looked it up, and they gave me this Vishu stuff, and I'm like, I, I would never have heard that before. I must have heard it somewhere else. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where I heard it from. Yeah. It, the Baha, Bhagavad Gita is the kind of a Bible for the Hindu religion. So. Okay. I, I did do a little research, and I wasn't sure, so I, I, it seemed complicated to me. <laughs> I, I'm sure relating it to the... Uh, Bible is not at all accurate, but you know it it works for our purposes. 
Yeah, now we're going to get angry emails. You know, we get our first good email, I and hope then we're so. going to get a bunch of angry emails. <laughs> if you are Hindu and take offense to that, please send us an email, and we will retract our statements and fix everything for you. Yes, and also kind of explain what it is, because that's yeah. a little complicated. So I'm okay with that. Um, I don't have any more references or, or quotes. Do you? I have one more quote. It's uh, between Dot and Mouse. One of them says, hope this works. And the other says, well, it was Bob's idea. And then they reply, that's what I'm afraid of. What, that's true, because that's a good bonding moment for them. Because mm-hmm. a lot of their relationship is tied to Bob, like I said before. So if they can make fun of him, then they can you know, compare each other. Oh, I did write down that I, I wish that we could have seen Fisk, Frisk get fight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we didn't we get to see, see Frisk get confront Gigabyte and then flashes away and then comes back and Frisket has been absorbed. It was sad. It was really sad. So. Uh, that, the Probably the reason we didn't see it is it probably would have taken a really long time. And so just cut it out for time purposes. Yeah. In all reality, you know that Frisket would have battled for at least 10 minutes before he went down. So that you're right. They probably just saved it um, that way. We don't have to see Frisket actually get hurt, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I hope this works. Well, it was Bob's idea. That's what I'm afraid of. So, Joey, what do you think of this episode, Gigabyte? Um, I thought it was much better than um, Nalzilla. So I'm going to give it six dot winks which I think is appropriate because I gave another episode a, a, a mouse wink, so now I have a dot wink. Nice. Well done. Thank you. I really enjoy this one. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff in it, a lot of great references. One I think we missed is there's a scene where Gigabyte's dragging his claws across a wall, kind of similar to Freddy Krueger in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Good stuff there. A lot of good character moments between characters, like the team-ups that you mentioned. And, yeah, good introduction to a new character and good continuation into the next episode by having the third entity come out of Gigabyte. So I'm going to have to give it eight solid-state modes. Oh, that, that was good. That was very good. Do you want to move into Trust No One? Yeah, uh, go ahead. I can't accept that. Mouse is an old friend. Bob, you've got to be reasonable about this. All evidence points to Mouse. We have eyewitnesses who will testify to her being on or near the scene of each abduction. Coincidence. Tell him your theory, Modem. Her fangs. Yeah, so? She's got fangs. I suspect she's a web creature. What? Oh! Now, this is ridiculous. These aren't theories. These are delusions. Listen, when I was just a little node, I saw my sister taken by a strange creature. And it had fangs, just like mouse. Excuse me, but is your partner completely random? Not completely. Okay, why didn't it take you two then? I don't know. I was reading Comic Bites in bed, 
When I peeked out from under the covers, I saw something hovering over my sister. Then I pointed my flashlight at it, and a moment later, it and my sister were gone. I'll never forget the noise it made. I don't want to seem insensitive, but next you'll be telling me that you've seen the user. There is no user. That's just induced mass psychosis engineered by the Guardians. What? But what about the games? Sent by the Guardians to promote the user myth. Another conspiracy theory modem? One of many. All right, so we're going to move into episode 2.9, Trust No One. The original air date was January 25th, 1996. So you can see, you know, there's a good month there in between episodes. Uh, this was written by Mark Learon Young. Uh, the story was by Gavin Blair, Mark Learon Young, uh, Phil Mitchell, Ian Pearson, and Susan Turner. Uh, Bob is on the case when a string of abductions claim Al's waiter and Dot. Special CGI agents, Fax Modem, and Data Nully arrived to investigate, and they identify Mouse as a primary suspect. We got a couple first appearances. We got Miss Brody. She's the Enzo and Andrea's teacher. We got the roller skating waiter at Annals. Um, this was a unique title sequence, which I think we'll talk more about in, in the future. Um, we have Turbo. He is, I guess, the prime guardian. Uh, Fax Modem, Data Nully. We get to see the web for the first time and kind of what's coming out of the web. Um, so, Dan, what do you think? I really enjoyed this episode. There, there was I a lot too. of great stuff in it. Specifically, I actually have two full pages of notes. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a lot of notes because I was so entranced with the episode. <laughs> that's that's actually probably true too. Yeah, I mean, it was just good storyline all the way around. Yeah, and I mean. Anyone who's seen the X-Files knows that Fax Modem and Data Noli sounds like Fox Mulder and Data Scully. Yes. Which are the two FBI agents in the that series. Have you seen X-Files? I watched a few episodes trying to get into it and kind of fell out of that. But what I've seen is pretty interesting. I've never, my dad used to watch the X-Files, so I, I, I'm aware of the show and I got most of the references, um, but I have never actually like sat down and watched an episode. It's on my list of things to do because people talk about it so much. Yeah. So yeah, they're part of the FBI in that series and their uh, reboot counterparts are part of the CGI, which is the <laughs> reboot version of the FBI, but it it's a play on the CGI term computer generated image. Which, but, you know, we talk about CGI yeah. all the time now, you know, just in our common, uh, there's so many movies that are CGI and everything. So that's again, another thing that I don't think a lot of people would have gotten back in the day that we can understand now. Yeah. The most interesting part of this episode is that Dana Noli is actually voiced by the actress who played Dana Scully. Which is uh, Gillian Anderson. I mean, yeah. how awesome is that? Uh, during one of the interviews that I was watching, they said that she was actually a real big fan of the show. And they were filming, I think they filmed up in Vancouver, which is where this show was produced. And... So she came in to like kind of tour the system or area office and they were like, 
want to do an episode? And she was like, yeah. And so they made a parody. And then uh, the guy who played Fox Mulder didn't want to be a part of it. So they kind of toned his character down and made him kind of a, a really obnoxious version of the character. Yeah, which, you know, it was a good ploy on them, but it annoyed me that uh, he didn't want to be a part of it since she was doing it. <clears throat> uh, now, isn't she, she was married to one of the creators or something too, right? I think I re- remember reading that somewhere. That could be. I yeah. didn't come across that, but... She's married to someone that had a connection with the show as well. Um, I just can't remember which one that was. But, I mean, the whole episode it's not just that they have these two agents that remind us of the x-files the whole episode is an x-file themed episode yeah i mean it starts off with the dark opening where we see everybody uh the one of the waiters gets kidnapped and then the credit the title scene is just trust no one in the uh kind of a similar font to the x-files show I'm assuming. Yeah, and uh, yeah, well, actually, I'm not sure about that, but it should be a reference to something because it was obviously different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just the trust no one is just a good theme of the show in general. Um, they were always meeting people and thought that they were allies and found out they weren't. So that's where trust no one. It was just perfect. Yeah. Um, I thought the show itself was, I mean, because they were taking an X-Files look at it it was kind of scary i mean could you i mean being a little kid that this episode could be pretty pretty scary yeah i mean it's it's the darkest episode to date i believe i mean it was it was intense i mean at one point you even see mike the tv get abducted and then that moves off screen and you just you hear him yell and you see a bunch of lights and they're 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 going back and forth and I mean it was it wasn't scary scene I think yeah I liked the misdirect that uh kind of implied at the beginning that mouse was the one abducting people yes and I I thought that was really cool and definitely an homage to uh x-files because there was a lot of misdirect in that and it was good too because you know and I I didn't think it was actually Mouse, but I thought maybe Mouse had been taken over or something. Yeah, I kind of felt that way too. Yeah. I feel that Mouse was the actual person thought that she was doing it somehow. Um, I thought this is uh, the, the moment when they take Mike out and you know they're, they're going after him, that whole scene. It, obviously, it's a kid's show, so they weren't going to be able to actually like, like, be it. You know, there's certain and put on the kids show. I just remember listening to a podcast one time about uh, Batman, the animated series that Kevin Smith was talking about. And it was the episode where um, you see uh, Dick Grayson's parents get killed by the mobster. Do you remember this? I remember that podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And they couldn't show the mobster actually cut line because that would be showing the mobster killing these people so what they had to do is they had to they had to swing out they had to scream then all you saw was the rope come back cut and because of that i think that scene is imprinted on our brains more because it was a, a little more unique especially for a little kid and i think the same thing with with the mic 
TV. You can't see him get attacked, but you can see all the energy being drained out. I just thought it was really cool. Yeah, it's a great, great moment of less is more. Kind of like yes. the happy accident that was Jaws in that they their mechanical Jaws wouldn't work until a lot later in the production. So there was originally supposed to be a lot more seeing the shark in that movie. But because really? you don't because you don't see the shark, it, it's that much more powerful. Hmm. You know, I've never seen Jaws. Really? No, never have. Crazy. Yeah. I didn't know about that either. Huh. Interesting. Uh, let's talk about the creature, the web crawler. What do you think of him? Slash I, her, I guess. I think it was it was pretty creepy. Um, I, I don't know if I really liked the design. I think the head was too big for the rest of the body. I don't I don't think it looked balanced or normal or legit really. Yeah, it just seemed it seemed a little odd like it wouldn't be able to actually be real, but I mean, I guess in the context of what we're talking about, it's a little ridiculous, but I mean, it was scary. It certainly was. I don't see how no guardian had never been able to see it before because it's really big and bulky. Yeah. So it didn't it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. And that was another thing where, you know, we'll have to get into talking about turbo in a minute, but you know, the 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 guardian code to dealing with web crawlers is to explode that area, you know, just to have it all destroyed. And I feel like that's kind of premature since you could hold it with a flashlight. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's kind of a lot of people that you were ordering killed. Yeah. I do like that. Uh, Turbo gives him an extra turn of the hourglass in order to help out Bob since they've got a past. Which I hope we get to see more of Turbo and other Guardians later, because I think that is really cool, the idea that he has this boss, you know, and they have a past, and, and yeah, I thought that whole aspect was really cool. Yeah, I know we get some more Turbo. I don't know how much, though. Okay. Okay, that's good. Um, I thought it was interesting how Mouse, who's tracking this web crawler, finds all these... Uh, binomes and sprites that are being drained of their energy and she walks past all of them to get to Dot right away and I was just curious as your thought would Bob find Dot first and then rescue everybody or would he rescue them all like step by step I bet he would find Dot first my first thought process is that he wouldn't have but then the more I thought about it he probably would because then she'd be able to help with the binomes exactly yeah. Um, the whole the whole ending, um, with Bob running the the bomb to the top of of mainframe that just that was very reminiscent of last summer's movies. You know, you had Batman run away with a nuclear bomb. Yeah. You had you had uh, Iron Man. Uh, Iron Man do the exact same thing. It just very dramatic ending. Yeah. Uh, I think this one did it a lot better, mostly because it was hadn't been done nearly as much at the time. So it kind of just the originality of it seemed more. It seemed better. I agree. Uh, I agree. I liked uh, Fax Modem's conspiracy theories 
and all that stuff. Like he's like the user doesn't exist, <laughs> which was awesome. Yeah, and and kind of mocking the Fox Mulder character again. It's just yeah, which was perfect. Yeah, and one of my favorite quotes comes from him when he's talking about how his sister got abducted by aliens or something and they were like uh why didn't they take you and he's like i don't know i was reading comic bites at the time (laughs) (laughs) oh god that that is pretty good he had a couple good ones he also had the uh uh he said something like you're right I can't stand the strong light. There's probably a scientific uh, reason for that. Yeah. I'm sure there's a very scientific reason for it. Yes. I thought that was really good. It's just, you know, great line to say, yeah, we're not going to explain this, but it probably makes sense. (laughs) Which is a lot of those shows. You get that a lot on Star Trek and stuff. They'll just like make up some scientific principle just to solve, you know, for the storyline. But... Yeah, I like Stop. that approach better than the techno babble for this episode, at least. Oh, I agree. I agree. Someone, and I didn't write down who, but somebody said the web is out there. Yeah, it, that was either uh, facts or Dana. I thought uh, it was, which, of course, is the whole point of X-Files. The truth is out there. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. Uh, yeah, so a good episode. I enjoyed it. First on-screen kiss. Yeah. Um, I don't know. remember who it was between. It was Mouse and Bob. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Aww, I think there's yeah. some consequences because of that. Well, I guess not, but again. <laughs> Maybe another. not, given the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying that. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so, uh, something it. specific. Um, the whole scene in the beginning I meant to mention with um, Cecil, when he, you know, he was saying he was in charge, and and Bob called him Cecil, and I wrote down on my paper, I was like, I thought it was Cecil. Dan was wrong, and then, you know, Cecil comes back and he goes, Oh, and it's Cecil, you know. So I just thought that was pretty appropriate since the last episode you corrected me on how to name his name, and then this episode they actually <laughs> addressed it as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He. I feel like he says that once a season at least. <laughs> no, no, it's Cecil. Yeah. Well, I was. I forgot about that. I don't remember it ever happening before, so I thought that was pretty good. Okay, one last thing before we get into scores. Uh, the milk carton that Mike shows with the missing number five on it, because five got abducted, has milk and the French word late, which is French for milk. Yeah. Um, which, which makes sense. Yeah, because it's Canadian, and they have a lot of French words. Even though the, the per capita amount of people who speak French in, in Canada isn't that large, they just try and respect the Quebec region, and they do that. I mean, I grew up thinking napkins were called serviettes, because <laughs> that's what my Nana called them. Nice. So. It 
sure there's a very scientific reason for it. But we don't know what it is. So Dan, what did you think of this episode? I enjoyed it. It it was a lot of fun. Great homage to X Files. Makes me want to go watch some more of that show. Uh, it, yeah, it it's darker. It it's getting really dark for this show, which only continues. And I yeah. think it's a great choice. So, I will give it eight point five CGI agents. Oh no! Very nice. Um, I'm going to agree with you. I think this episode was great. I like the fact that it was dark. I like the fact that it was a oh, the whole episode was an X Files um, discussion. Um, I like the fact that we we brought in this new character Turbo that I think we're going to hear a little bit more about later. You know, Mouse was there. Um, it was just good on all. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it uh, eight dramatic kisses. Nice. Thank you. Dan, you want to take us into uh, Web World Wars? It's sad that something so beautiful could be so deadly. It must be really bad. I've never seen Bob team up with Mega Breath and Hexadismal like this before. Where I come from, it's very simple. If you see an enemy, you destroy him. Here, you seem to form a team and make plans. <laughs> you guardians are too clever for me. Um, Andrea? There's something I've been meaning to tell you. You know how I said I was a guardian? Well... Cadet Matrix? Bob? Why aren't you in uniform? You know how serious things are. It's time you got suited up. What? Just follow me on this one. Due to the current crisis we're all facing, I am invoking emergency code 9510. Enzo, give me your icon. Okay. Command line, icon. Download Guardian Protocol to version 1.0. Enzo Matrix, there is a huge responsibility in taking the Guardian badge of office. Do you accept? Yes, sir! By the power vested in me, I give you a field commission as guardian. First level. Thanks, Bob! No, Enzo, you've really earned this. You will be transferred to the supercomputer to attend the academy and become a full-fledged guardian like me. I know you'll make me proud. Bob, we're at the tour. Megabyte, Mouse, Hexadecimal, and I are ready to go. I can't believe I just said that. Okay, let's do it. Guardian Enzo? Yes, sir. This is it. Should anything happen to me, I am charging you with defense of this system. And look after him, will you? Episode 210. Air date originally aired on February 1st, 1996. Written by Mark Lyron Young and stories by Mark Lyron Young, Brandon McCarthy, Phil Mitchell, Ian Pearson, and Susan Turner. 
summary is Bob, Dot, and Mouse must team up with Megabyte and Hexadecimal to save Mainframe from the attacking web. Their attempt to close the portal to Mainframe ends with Bob being shot into the web. We have first appearances of Guardian Enzo, also Enzo without a hat, and Megaframe. So, Joey, what do you think of this episode? Uh, I really enjoyed how Identity Crisis ended the first season, but it is nothing to compare how the Web World Wars ended uh, the second season. It is just phenomenal in so many ways. Uh, I don't even know really where to start. (laughs) Um, Well, overall, the story isn't very powerful. Uh, It's just this episode to me is mostly a lot of fighting, a lot of really cool fighting, a lot of dog fights kind of reminded me a lot of Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, especially the sounds um, when you mm-hmm. heard the, the air, just aerial fights in general are really awesome. And then uh, we've had a couple of them, but nothing to the extent uh, to the extent that we've had so far, like um, on this episode, it's been amazing. And I think they actually put in some of those little zoom that just reminded you of Star Wars. Yeah. Like I was watching that and I was like, um, they're, is this Star Wars? And they're like flying <laughs> around the uh, principal office, which is you know a big sphere like the Death Star. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's true. I didn't even catch that. Really, that's funny. Yeah. It, good episode. Uh, the some references are like Piccadilly Circuits. Circuits uh, is painted on a wall in a subway kind of station, and that is a reference to World War II where Piccadilly Circus in London is where people were hiding during some bombings. Which is extremely appropriate at this point because if you're not a biome in a CPU, then you're kind of worthless and you're just going to get in the way. So let's go hide. We get some uh, Binky and Algernon moments, which are great. I have uh, Algernon and Binky. We are saved, you know, because <laughs> they're they're here. They're on the case. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we've got we've got them working together uh, with Hexadecimal and Megabyte, and of course, you know, they get betrayed by Hexadecimal and Megabyte. Yeah, that was so clear what was going to happen. Yeah, I just thought it was really cool how the the writers of the episode had everybody work together. I don't feel like it was very forced. It all made sense. You know, you had Megabyte who had that infrastructure and the intelligence to create the hardware, that, that big gun. And then you have Hexadecimal who has unlimited power and she's able to charge it. And then Fong had to give Megabyte the software and, you know, Mouse who is mouse is able to hack into the web you know so they can use the hardware and it just seemed to all really work well together yeah i totally agree it 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 felt fluid like everything flowed perfectly um yeah it's just a good episode there's not a ton to say about it i don't think until we get to the very end where you know bob gets sent through into the web there's a couple good references, uh, a couple good lines. Um, 
I thought, and there was that one moment I wanted to ask you about. This is probably one of those things where I write down and then it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But um, <laughs> when Megabyte is talking to Mouse, he like gets over her and he's like, um, you know, are you working on this as fast as you can, little girl, or whatever? And it just seemed really awkward, like almost like sexual harassment in the workplace. <laughs> and I just wasn't sure if you thought Megabyte was hitting on Mouse. I don't think so, but that's just okay. from a character perspective. Like that moment, could I could see being construed as you know sexual harassment, but just <laughs> just knowing Megabyte and his vicious intentions, that. It's probably not his motivation there. That's fair. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, we get we get mouse hacking the web. It gets explained later on in a next season episode, I think. Uh, Does it? Okay, because that makes a little more sense. Because yeah. it just was kind of accepted that she can just hack into the web. Yeah, a lot of stuff from this batch of season or episodes gets explained next season because okay. next season we'll get into this more next episode but next season is the third season and it it's where the creators really get to go free and do what they want to do with the show and it's partly because they are not appearing on a certain network yeah. uh, which you know we can talk about <laughs> yeah we'll we'll explore that more next episode okay so, um, I did really like, I think this is going to be my favorite quote of the, uh, episode when Megabyte comes after mouse and she pulls out her little samurai sword and she's like one step close and I'll subdivide you. Yeah. That was a good I thought, one. I thought that was really good. My favorite ep- uh, quote of the episode comes from, uh, Enzo when Andrea is like, it's sad that something so beautiful can be so deadly. And Enzo replies, it must be really bad. I've never seen Bob team up with Mega Breath and Hexadismal like this before. Like, so yeah, that intensely. was great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know we've heard Mega Breath before. I don't think we've heard Hexadismal. I don't think but, so either. But I like both of those. And that just really goes to show, as as cool as Enzo is and as capable as Enzo is, he's still like a 12-year-old kid that wants Mm -hmm. to call people poopy breath and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, But that's going to end soon because he kind of has to grow up quite a bit in this episode and after this episode. I didn't – I forgot. I didn't realize that this was going to happen at the end. And I I remember when Bob was essentially deputizing Enzo. Mm -hmm. Um that I was like, does Bob really have time for this? I mean, he's like coordinating this entire mass army against, you know, the web and he's coordinating it with megabyte and hexadecimal and fong. And he's going to spend, cause I kind of thought he was doing it to sh- like to show off to Andrea. Yeah. And so I thought it was kind of worthless, but I guess I'm glad he did it. Yeah. Th- that's the one moment in this episode that at the time it doesn't really feel necessary. It kind of feels forced but the way the episode yeah. ends, it kind of is is necessary plot wise, and it, it's it's really just a great moment where you know Enzo's getting all serious. He's like, "I need to tell you that I'm not a guardian." But before he can get it out, Bob shows up. It's like, "You are now deputized guardian Enzo." So yeah, I mean, I guess we can. We've alluded to it. Do you want 
That yeah. that Bob is gone. Yeah, Bob's gone. The megabyte actually hacks hatches a plan that works. Yeah, <laughs> which I think is great. Having him, you know, in a moment of crisis where Bob and Dot, Mouse and Fong are all kind of focused on saving mainframe and not really prepared to deal with megabyte and hexadecimal is the one time that megabytes plan actually works i guess they i mean it's because they let their guard down i mean bob should never have let his guard down around megabyte i mean obviously he needed to utilize them there was no way they'd be able to survive without it but he let his guard down yep and and I got to tell you, I mean, I knew it was going to happen at some point. Um, and, of course, the show's 20 years old, and it's computer animated. But I, I really felt Enzo's pain. They did a really good job. That whole last minute and a half was very sad. Yeah. And then Megabyte and Hexadecimal start taking out the CPUs. And at the end, he does a broadcast that ends up saying... Welcome to Megaframe. Which is a pretty big plot line for C3. Yep. But uh, I, it was a good episode. I thought overall it was good. Um, I, I, I think the good guys lost, you know, and, and it's mostly their fault. I think it was fairly obvious what, what Megabyte wanted to do. Not down to the specifics, but... I mean, what can you do? It was a fight. It was a good effort. Yeah. It, all around a great episode. But mostly because it's setting up a great season three. And that, see, this is... I remember more of season three, but it's always bits and pieces. So I'm pretty excited back into that. Um, I wanted to ask you, because we've, we've had the distinction now with the web, which, of course, we know what the web is, and we talked about it last episode and web versus nets mm-hmm. what do you think the supercomputer is because they always talk about it and i kind of associated it with the internet um but That's then of course really it's separate question. you know what what is this supercomputer that they talk about uh i would i'd probably go with something along the lines of the um manufacturer uh of the programs, so kind of like Microsoft. Mm, that would make sense because that's where I would assume. That, well, I mean, I think we know for sure that the Guardian School is and everything is all at the supercomputer, yeah. which makes sense that it would be at the software developer. Hmm. That that's I don't what I'd go for, barring you know actual long thought about it. <laughs> Yeah. The chaps are getting jittery, sir. Well, let's just hope no one cracks, Binky. Oh, I see. Stiff upper lip, is it, huh? So, yeah, what would you rate this episode? I want to give it 10, but I don't think it quite deserves 10. So I'm going to give it nine obvious betrayals. Nice. Thank you. What about you, Dan? I'd agree with you that it probably doesn't quite deserve a 10, uh, especially knowing that next season is going to be upping the ante on everything. 
Um, I I'm gonna have to also give it a nine nine uh, web probes. Oh, that's good. Try again. Hey, mouse! Join me for an energy shake. Love to, sugar. Cecil, two energy shakes, please. What do you think I am, a waiter? I will have you know that in Madame's absence, I am in charge of this establishment. And for your information, it is Cecil. Is he always like that? Always. All righty, let's get into a season recap for season two. Are you ready for this, Dan? I think so. All right. Um, so I think we're going to probably go with the same formula that we had last time. Uh, we'll talk about our least and favorite, uh, least favorite and most favorite main cast. Uh, and then we've done a, we'll do a secondary cast or just any, which includes anyone that pretty much anybody else except for the main class, even if they were just like one-offs. Uh, we'll talk about our favorite uh, and our least favorite episodes as well as our least favorite and our favorite games. Uh, so Dan, let's start with main cast. What are you thinking? Uh, I, I don't know. This one's tough. I mean, we get introduced to Andrea and she becomes a great character later on, but she hasn't really done anything yet. So I'm going to pass on her. I do like, we get a lot of good hexadecimal episodes this season, specifically painted windows. Uh, I don't know though. I, I, I wish mouse was in here more cause I really like her, but she'll I probably agree. be my favorite secondary. I'm going to, I'm going to have to go with uh megabyte. I think he's, he's done the most this season and especially in web world wars when he actually succeeds and banishes Bob from mainframe for a long time. That's fair. Um, and, 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 and we do realize too, I mean, this is not a, one episode fix and Bob is back. I mean, he did a good job <laughs> um, yeah. at what he was doing. So he does deserve that credit. Uh, I was, I was really hard because I'm always a hexadecimal fan and you're right. Hexadecimal has had some fantastic episodes. Um, you know, like you said, painted windows most notably, but I think if I remember correctly, I gave, um, first season, my favorite episode, my favorite, uh, main cast character was Dot, and the reason I did that is she had the most growth, like, we learned the most about her, um, so I kind of thought about using that metric for this one, and the obvious choice for me is Enzo, you know, where you start with Enzo being rather just frustrating, not frustrating, but I, I you know, first of all, I hated Enzo the first time I watched it, <laughs> um, in terms of, like, when I was a kid, I just thought he was annoying and always in the way, um, but I really have started to appreciate him on this rewatch. And then at the end of the second season, he becomes guardian, mm-hmm. you know, so I want to give him props for that. And I'm going to say that uh, Enzo's my most favorite, uh, character main cast. Fair enough. I, I like your reasoning there. And I totally agree that he's, he's grown quite a bit this season and he'll continue to. Yeah, I thought about waiting for the third season because there's going to be a lot more going on. But, you know, the actual growth, I think, happens here. And then, you know, he just maybe redefines it in the third and fourth season. So, yeah. So what's your least favorite, Dan? Least favorite. This is always a tough one because it's it's 
it's not like there's an obvious these characters kind of suck as characters. Right. Um, the, they're, they're all pretty good characters. I think that... Um, <clears throat> I, th- I think that Dot did the least this season. Like, she never seemed to be around or a big part of the story. So I'm I'm going to go with Dot, I think. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because she's also my answer. Um, and for basically the exact same thing. And it's, inter- it's even more funny because she was my favorite character last time. But um, she didn't do a whole lot. I mean, even in um, Trust No One, she, was, she played the damsel in distress. You know, she wasn't the tough, hardcore Dot to get stuff done. She just was there. Um, and I, I think part of that is we brought in Mouse and she's really hardcore and I think they're trying to find that medium and how they're going to have them both, which they do eventually. Um, but yeah, uh, so Dot was by far my least favorite main cast character. Cool. What about secondary? Uh, Danny, got any thoughts on your favorite there? Well, honorable mention goes out to Binky and Algernon because <laughs> they're awesome. And and definitely Took guy, although we didn't see a lot of him. Like we didn't see him at all this uh podcast, these four no. last four. No, we have which not. is sad. But a little note about that, uh one of the um interviews I was watching said that uh there was a band in the area that was called Took and they had those beanies and that's why that that's where that character comes from. Really? Yeah. And See, that's even cooler now that there's that exactly story with it as well. I tried to look up uh, their music, but I couldn't find any, which is sad. But <laughs> yeah, that was that that was a great realization. I was so happy about it. Especially and, since we've given him so much, you know, airtime talking about him oh, already, because yeah. because <laughs> he's the best. I agree. But he's not in enough episodes to justify being the best secondary character. I agree. So, uh, same goes with Mouse. He, she's not around nearly enough. She's so, kind of in a bad meme because she's not really a secondary character at this point, but she's not a main cast either. Yeah, you it's, know? it's like she got main cast for the back half of the season and then kind of right. comes in a lot next season. Right. She'll definitely be main cast next season. Yeah. I'm I'm going to have to go with Andrea cuz even though she doesn't do much this season, she's introduced and becomes a great it, it it's a great introduction to a character. She starts to grow this season, but she'll be a lot better next season. No, I agree. I agree. And I think that was a lot of the same reasons with Enzo, you know, there's just a lot more to come. I kind of had a hard time with this because there's a lot. You know, there's a lot of characters in reboot. You know, you don't think about it, but we see a lot of characters. Um, and I settled on the Codemaster because I thought that that was just a really cool idea. I liked how extremely honorable he was. I liked the way he looked. I liked the way he sounded. I thought it was all really good. And I specifically, just remember him. You know, so I thought it was cool. Nice, good one. What about your least favorite? Least favorite. Uh, hmm. I don't know. Least favorite. Probably Nolzilla. <laughs> I mean, the it worked for a plot point to get to Gigabyte, but 
Nullzilla was kind of boring, not a great episode, and the character itself wasn't really a character so much as an object and a boring one. No, yeah, I agree. I was going to ask you if we can include Nullzilla as it because I wasn't sure, but that's the that's the same my same it's my answer as well. I it was a blob is all it was. <laughs> so alrighty, why don't we get into games? What what would you you say is your favorite game this episode there this season? You know, and we talked about it earlier. There's there's not a lot of games in this season. It's a pretty short season just in general, but. Um, my favorite one had to be the ocean game uh, where we first met Andrea. I thought, and I think you mentioned it, that the um, animation, it was just fantastic. You know, they, they express the expression on their faces, even though they're talking telepathically and I'm talking about Bob and Dot at this point, um, which was just really good. And the, and the fact that it brought in Andrea made it even better. So I'm going to go with the ocean game. What about you? Yeah, there's, there's not a ton of games. Um, Notably, we get the Andrea episode with a couple of games in there. We've got a couple of games in When Games Collide. And it, though I really enjoy the uh, flying pterodactyl plane and the, the Tankosaurus, Tankosaurus Rex, Rex. <laughs> uh, I don't think the game itself was interesting enough. I, I liked the story, but the game itself was eh. I'm going to have to go with uh, the game from Bad Bob. The uh, Mad oh. Max style game, just because of the pounding beat that just keeps driving the game, and it's, it's just really intense. And we get a tank megabyte, which is kind of ridiculous, but awesome. Yeah, and, uh, I agree. And Fong is in the game. That's the only time that's ever happened. I mean, so far, anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. What about your least favorite games? Uh, probably the one at the beginning of when games collide where they're just kind of standing there and things are shooting at them. Don't remember what um, it was called. Something about alien combat or something. Yeah, and then that's the one where they had the glitch. Yeah. That's how they beat it, yeah. Um, I didn't even think about that. I might have chose that. But the one I chose was uh, the game in High Codes, the episode itself was really good and what bob had to do to win slash not win that game and then end up winning it because enzo was in it was really good but i'm just generally not a huge fan of western themed things uh so i just i probably would i chose that as my least favorite game yeah that's a good choice too because i mean they're just riding a train yeah it's it's nothing happens really yeah they don't do anything cool what about favorite episode? This is really difficult for me. Um, I really, at first I thought Painted Windows because, and I said this a couple times on that episode, Painted Windows is such a uniquely reboot episode. You know, it's it's something that almost, I can only think of reboot doing. And I think it needs to get props, but when worlds, or when webs uh, collide, which is the, the finale, it's really good. Um, Although, and I think that Painted Windows story is, is trumps um, the season finale. I'm gonna go with uh, when when uh, what is that? When webs collide? No, world what webs collide. Or world world web webs. Wars. World web wars. I knew I was saying it wrong. 
Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that edges it out, and that might just be because I just recently watched it. But uh, I'm gonna go with that one. What about you, Dan? There's there's a lot of good episodes this season. There's really only two that I wasn't a big fan of. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. It to me it it's between Andrea World Web Wars and Trust No One. Trust No One mostly because of the great references it has. Uh, Andrea and World Web Wars, Web World Wars, are both up there because of the impact it has on later episodes and later seasons. Um, you know what? I I'm going with Andrea. I mean, they've got a lot going on from that episode already, so I'll go go with that one. That, that's a good choice. Um, yeah, I, I can totally respect that. It was a good episode. It brought in a good character. You know, without it, it would uh, drastically change the third season. So, Exactly. And what would you say your least favorite was? Um, I'm just hands down Nozilla. I, the more I thought about it, the less I enjoyed that episode. Uh, and a good, and again, you know, that episode of Reboot is still a good episode, but I just didn't care for the episode at all. There was, didn't really add a whole lot. The only thing that it did was lead us. And you cut out. So, yeah, not a fan. Dan? Um, the, yeah, definitely Nolzilla is up there. Uh, the only one that really gives it any sort of challenge is when games collide. Because while it had an interesting twist in that there was a game's... Uh, what am I saying? Uh, the merged game. <laughs> That's really the only strong... The main strong point of that episode. Um, You know what? Since you gave it to Nolzilla, I'm going to give it to When Games Collide. That's fair. That's very fair. But, I mean, I think overall... This was a very good season. I think we got to see a lot of good stuff. I mean, we came out of Identity Crisis, which was a really good set of episodes. And I think it just led strong. Um, and it just it finished strong, even. So I'm, I'm excited about the third season. I'm excited looking back uh, at what happened in the second season. You know, and I'm excited for the future. So, Yeah, uh, judging by our scores... We rate this season. I've got a 7.6 average, and Joey's down at 7.2. I know. Apparently, I hate reboot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do do you? And I don't know if you have them right there. Do you have our scores from last season? Our scores from last season uh, were. I had an average of 6.7, and Joey had an average of seven. <laughs> So, so I mean we're we're fairly consistent. I, you went up pretty a lot actually, yeah, I guess. I liked this season a lot. A lot a lot. So Yeah, I think the third season's you're gonna see our numbers go a little higher too. Mm -hmm. Um but uh overall great season and I, I can't wait for the third season. Do you have any general thoughts of the second season? Uh just overview? I'm glad yeah. we got to see uh, a rise in the. I don't. I don't know how to explain it. Um, well, first, definitely a increase in the the technology available that made the graphics a lot better and a lot less choppy. Uh, 
I agree. But but the I storytelling mean, takes a leap too. It, it they they go out on a limb and start planting ideas for later seasons, and they've got a lot of new introduced characters that become pretty big later on. That there's a lot of darkness towards the end. That I mean, Bob gets sent out into the web for something like eleven season episodes. So yeah. I mean, we spend a lot of our individual episodes talking about the different tracking shots, how bright the episodes were, the depth that you see in in mainframe now. I mean, it, it's just leaps and bounds at a first season in terms of just what it looks like. Um, and you're right, the second season, I mean, I, I think the episode went, they're less episodic, um, so that was nice. Mm-hmm. And the story writing just seemed more developed. Um, so overall, I mean, it was just, it was much better than the first season. Um, and first season was good, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, I, I can't wait to move forward. I did, uh, there's a couple things we didn't talk about, uh, that I just think, you know, maybe we should recap. We now know because of second season that, um, uh, megabyte and hexadecimal are brother and sister. You know, that is an awesome, you know, continuation of the storyline. Uh, we now know that what nulls are. They were previous binomes and sprites, which is really kind of creepy if you think about yeah. it. Um, you know, we we know that Old Man Pearson was once a codemaster. Yeah. Uh, which I think is fantastic. I almost chose him as my favorite second character um, just because it's Old Man Pearson for crying out loud. You know, there's just a lot of things that we that the third and fourth season are going to build upon uh, that came out of this season. And and if you can think of any more, please chime in. But uh, there's some big ones. Yeah, uh, we get some touches on Dot's uh, father as well. Oh yeah, and the Twin City, the the apparent other city that was now that is now Lost Angles. But we don't find out about that until later. That's true. Um, we build that up. We build. We build off of that, I guess. You know, we got to see Mouse. Mm-hmm. I think Mouse we're starting to kind of see her as a character, as not as much of an archetype. Yeah. You know, uh, so I mean, it's, it, so much is the beginning of this uh, this season. It's monumental to the long storyline. Yep. And we should call it a day because uh, we're already running quite a bit over time. But that's all right, I think. We had a couple yeah. more episodes and we had to finish off the season. So, And I think it's a strong finish, so I, hopefully people will be interested all the way to the end. <laughs> yeah. If, if you want to send us some feedback, you could send us your picks of you know, favorite episode and characters do so at mainframe chronicle at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at MF Chronicle. We're trying to be a little bit more proactive with that specifically for one reason. And that is there's a hashtag bring back reboot. And yeah, I saw that. How, that's really awesome. Let's, let's make goal to have everybody <laughs> start hashtagging that yes if you are on twitter definitely follow us at mf chronicle and use the hashtag bring back reboot one uh um tweet 
that has that hashtag is at Michael Heffron from at Rainmaker Entertainment. We'll be talking to at Toonami Podcast about the future re- of Reboot. Stay frosty in April. Yes. Yes, that's right. They're they're this, talking about the future of Reboot in April. That's so fantastic. This is the first I've heard of this. So I am ecstatic. I mean, there was, I can't remember, and I should probably know this, but there are a lot of uh, time in between seasons, in the, uh, between the second and third season and the third and fourth season. So, hey, maybe we can have a fifth one. Yep. Uh, between second and third season is a about a year maybe a year and a half and then between season three and season four is three years so that's insane yeah uh i think it's april 4th that that podcast is going up then they're talking about the future of reboot i don't know what it entails but i'm sure we will be talking about it probably next episode i don't yeah we're not gonna be able to record by then i'm sure but Maybe we'll do a special episode just talking about that, depending on what the news is. I mean, yeah, if, it, if it's really big, I mean, we could dedicate a whole episode to it. Yep. So, I'm yeah. down for that. We'll, uh, we'll be seeing you in a month or so. Uh, if you want to check out our other podcasts, you can do so at almppodcasts at uh, .blogspot.com. We've got the Cinemasters, which is a movie review podcast, and the Rogue Arrow podcast, which is a review show for the TV show Arrow. You can follow me on Twitter at AmazingBase. That's Amazing B-A-S-S. And you can follow me on Twitter at BabyKangaroo90. And unless you've got anything else, I think that'll be about it for today. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm 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 happy that we had some feedback uh, from from a from a fan, mm-hmm. um, and you know I think we can build off of that. And because of his email, I'm going to try and do a little bit more research every time. Uh, it's good to know people uh, are listening to what we're doing, enjoy what we're doing, but we're always willing to modify that. So please, in any of the capacities that Dan just read to you, let us know. You know, uh, I'm I'm up for for learning and listening. So. Yeah, definitely wow. a great big thank you to Carson M for sending us some emails. Yeah, I would. I Dan actually texted me and he was like, "We got a fan mail," and I <laughs> immediately went there and I would read it and I was a little more excited about it than I ought to have been. But uh, anyway, I, again, yeah, thank, thanks, Carson. We appreciate it. We really do. And as always, I'm Daniel James, and I'm Joey Morris. Stay frosty, my friends. Pop! Pop, come in! He can't hear you, Fong. Dot! Mouse! Where is Bob? What has happened? It's bad, Fong. Very bad. I'm sorry. All for nothing. 
As we speak, your CPUs are being shot out of the sky. Fong, drop all defenses on the principal office, and welcome to Mega Frame. I love it when he talks like that. We will fight you to the last megabyte. You have no defenses, you fools. Your guardian is lost. Nothing can stand in our way. Mainframe is ours. Wrong! We do have a guardian. Guardian, your key tool. Remember what Bob said. I am Guardian Matrix, charged with defending this system. Two viruses take over my home? I don't think so! best known as Oliver Queen, the billionaire playboy who was stranded on an island for five years, forcing him to become the Arrow. Join us as we follow his journey to clean up the mess his father helped create in Starling City. I am Daniel Janes. I'm Chris O'Neill. I'm Laurel Murs. And I'm Rudy Schubach. And you should check out Rogue Arrow Podcast, where we talk about the CW show Arrow. You can find us at roguearrow.blogspot.com or by searching iTunes or Facebook for Rogue Arrow Podcast. The movie game is a game that Rudy and I play where we come up with a starting point and an ending point and we try to get there using the same rules as Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, essentially. More often than not, it just sort of devolves into uh, a vehicle for which you talk about awesome movies. But yeah, that's sort of the, the bare bone structure from, what, from the way I play it. Yes, so Rudy, what are we going to be <laughs> starting off with? Uh, we're starting with uh, Drive. So we're going from Drive to Goldfinger. We're going to connect them somehow. You want to start or you want me to start? I'll say we got the movie drive. We're going to Ryan Gosling just because he's the only one going in the cinema. Like exactly. <laughs> okay. Ryan Gosling is also in The Notebook. Uh, I don't know The Notebook yeah. either. Uh, wait, awesome. who's in that? Someone, um, Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams. Another name I don't know. So maybe Drive uh, is not she was the best in, place Oh, no. I got this one. Okay. Uh, Rachel McAdams was in uh, Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers. Awesome. Um, that's Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. I think I'll go Vince Vaughn. I feel like he's more okay. connected. Let's go Vince Vaughn to uh, his early work, Swingers. We'll go John Favreau. Uh, so let's go John Favreau to 
He was in a bunch of movies recently. He was in um, I Love You, Man. Pretty much all the Marvel movies. He was. He was in specifically Iron Man. And in Iron Man, there was... Can we go through... Iron Man and Iron Man 2. Yeah, so either of the... We can go through either of the guys who played Colonel James Rhodes. Or we can go through... Robert Downey was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Mm-hmm. With Val Kilmer? Yeah. Val Kilmer was in... Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer, Kilmer was in... Val Kilmer was in Batman Forever. Which so was... Which was... Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones, Jones and, and, and Jim, Jim Carrey. Tommy Lee Jones. He's got to have been in a movie that we can go through. A lot of people give us crap because they're like, you should be trying to find the shortest route. And it's like, that's not the point. That's not the point. No, no. <laughs> I mean, this isn't a great example because we're not stopping and talking about all the movies. But... Right. That's what we normally do, and that's usually what this game is played for. Okay, so, uh, so we got Tommy Lee Jones. We're gonna go Tommy Lee Jones to what was he? He was in something less modern. We gotta start moving backwards. He was in the Fugitive. Fugitive. Uh, Harrison Ford. Well, that'll get us to um, Harrison Ford exactly. Harrison Ford's uh, an older actor, which means he'll be in movies closer to that time period. Harrison Ford. Right. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh no! Yes, you're right. He played Mindy's father, and there you go. Harrison Ford to Sean Connery through Last Crusade to James Bond Gold Figure. Bam! Awesome. Well. Anyway, so that's that's an example of the movie game. <laughs> Yay! We made it. Check out the Cinemasters podcast at thecinemasters.blogspot.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Cinemasters Podcast.